Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, Today I entitled this, I better get moving, I'm going to run out of time here. Uh, I entitled this, Are You Willing to Be Last of All and Servant of All? And we'll look at it in three parts. Uh, The disciples didn't understand in verses 30 through 32. In verses 30 through 35, the disciples argued with one another. And in verses 36 through 37, the disciples learned to care for the helpless. Now, one of the things that that we need to uh, talk about as we dive into the scripture this week is is Jesus is going to talk about what it is to be a follower of Christ. He's going to bring up, uh, for the second time, that he's going to go to the cross. And, and for us, what, what it means for us is that when we have a calling on our life, uh, it, it's a calling to die to self and head to the cross. And, and I think we, we miss that for some reason. We've allowed things that, to, to get into the church that creates disunity or division. And I've seen that more in the last two years than anything. It's not the church's job to turn out Republicans. It's not the church's job to, to, to try to be with Democrats. It's the church's job to make men and women for the kingdom of God. And we have to remember that. It's not our job to do that. We're called to share the gospel. We have a calling on our lives, every one of us. And, and we, we need to be very careful not to allow our testimony, our, our, our work that we're doing uh, for the Lord to be swayed and and become something that uh, has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And and so one of the things I wanted to share with you is something I read this week with me and Teresa's reading. And and a lot of times what we see is we've allowed those things to become a false god in our life. Or we've allowed something in our life to become a false god and Hezekiah actually destroyed the bronze snake and in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 4-6, through 6, it says, He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of, the Lord, uh, the people of Israel had made offerings to it, and it was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all uh, the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him, for he, was, uh, he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from the fo- following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And so some of us have Nehushtans in our lives that need to be broken. You have religious rituals that you do. They need to be broken. Uh, maybe you've allowed, like when we get into the scripture, you see them arguing over position. That needs to be broken. It's not about that. It's not about your title. It's not about your position. That's what we're going to find out today. Remember back in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus had told us 
what it is to follow him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus is, is, was taken to be crucified and he's saying, look, if you're going to follow me, you're following me to the cross to die. And that's where we've lost Christianity. Because people aren't willing to do that part of it. And, and so we, we need to understand that you're on that narrow path. You're on that, that same road that, that Jesus walked in Jerusalem as he's being spit on and, and mocked and, and hit and beaten. And our job is not to adapt to the culture, but to change it. And that means we, when we stand up for God, and it's going to be hard, it's going to go completely against what the culture is about. And that means that you need to die to yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. And that's all the way to the crucifixion. And I think we, we miss that. Remember we talked about this in Daniel chapter 3 when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered, and I love what they said in Daniel chapter 3 verse 16. It says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And this is where Christians need to wake up. In verse 18, but if not, right? Because we're not willing to, to, to handle that. Because they're, they're saying, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's meaning that, that we understand that God has allowed them to go into the fiery furnace. But if not, I have freedom in Christ. I don't know how many of y'all, because I, like, I have kids and they, they get worried about stuff. They see the, the bomb that, that Russia has and it can destroy all humanity on earth. Is what the bomb says it can do. And I was like, honestly, they wouldn't use that because they wouldn't want to destroy himself. He's not going to do that. But I have freedom in Christ. <laughs> this is not my home. You know, and then we have that, that, that mindset. And, and we can say to ourselves, you know what? But if not, it's okay. It's okay. And this is what we're seeing as we, as we look at what the disciples are doing here. Is they're not getting it still. And, and. You know, sometimes we have a, a misunderstanding by what we read in God's Word. And it's so clear, or we can ask questions. And Jesus was like, they didn't understand, but they didn't ask no questions. And so when we look at that first point, the disciples didn't understand. In Mark chapter 9, verse 30, it says, that They went on their, uh, from there and passed through Galilee, and he, and he did not want anyone to know. Now at this point... They're about 100 miles from north of Jerusalem, and, and the crowds, they can't be around the crowds. The crowds at this point are, are overwhelming. And so wherever he goes, the crowds are following him. Uh, they're wanting to, to be uh, healed. They're, they're, some of them are seeking food. Some of them are there for the teaching, and then you have some that are there to kill them, that want to kill them. And so uh, we need to remember as, as we looked at this portion of scripture now it, he, as he's talking to them about the cross he's dealing with he, his popularity has gotten so big now that wherever he goes it's a crowd 
They're, they're going to they're gonna seek him out. But remember, not everybody's seeking him out for Jesus. Some people are seeking him out because, why? They want the free food. They want to see the show, the healing and the, and the demons cast out. Uh, they want to hear him teach because they are, are hear him correct some of the scribes. And so uh, when, we, when we get to verse 31, it says, For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Now this is the second time that, that, uh, that Jesus is sharing this with them. The first time, remember, in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, uh, and we won't read the whole thing in Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through 33, that's when Peter decides to rebuke Jesus, and, and Jesus has to tell him, Get behind me, Satan. So they had a hard time receiving it the first time, but they also had a hard time receiving it this time. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. So they get to this point of him sharing about what's going to happen on the cross. And they're stuck on the suffering. Right? They're stuck on the suffering. They're trying to understand, well, why does he have to suffer? Because this is not, or why does he have to be killed? Because this is not the political leader that we were looking for. So they never get to the resurrection. They never ask the question like, why did he rise? Why did he rise? And they, they were stuck because they wanted someone to overthrow the, the Roman Empire. And to rule over Jerusalem. And they were missing the most important part, which was the, the salvation of him rising. They were missing the, the part that it was eternal, not temporary. They were looking for a temporary solution to fix everything. And I, unfortunately, I think that's what some Christians do today. I want my world fixed. Because it's all out of whack. I don't understand what's happening. But God, I need you just to fix this. Right? And, and, and so we need to remember that at the end of the day, it's... it's God's sovereign. We talked about that last week. It's God's will. It's God's sovereignty. And we have to trust uh, that He's God and we're not. Uh, I mean, you, you don't need anybody to tell you that we're living in, in the last days. You don't need anybody to tell you that, that now we're seeing things that, that used to be good uh, being called evil and the evil things being called good. Isaiah warned us about that in Isaiah 5.20. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter see followers of christ need to stop looking to the world to solve their needs okay uh you know it, it the only person that can can solve our needs solve our needs is jesus and jesus is telling you look pick your cross up and follow me Crucify yourself. Deny yourself. And we know what's happening right now. We talked about it this past week in uh, Daniel chapter 7. As we talked about the, uh, the four winds. The four winds representing the, the sovereignty of God and His will. And He'll do what He wants to do. So what's happening in the Ukraine? God's allowing it. What's happening with Russia? God's allowing it. What's happening with COVID? God's allowed it. He's sovereign. 
We trust Him. That's who we look to. Your answer should be to seek Him. And unfortunately, what we do is, is we, we seek other things. We seek political people to solve our problems. I can tell you right now, if you're expecting a political person to solve something in your life, you're, we're in a lot of trouble. There ain't nobody in D.C. that's going to save us. Okay? Only Jesus does that. Now, can we, can we pray for more Christian leaders? Yes. Can we pray for those things that are evil to be revealed and for God to judge and bring things to light? I believe God's been bringing things to light. It's so obvious now what's happening in the world. You know, we, we have to, we cannot lose our, our calling or our, our, or our following to, to God over, over presidents or pandemics or popular cultural gods. What he's telling you to do is to deny yourself and pick that cross up and die daily. And people don't want to do that. That's why I gave you that verse in 2 Kings 18, verse 4. It's, it's like, He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah, and He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses has, has made. And for until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it, and it was called Nehushtan. We have to get away from promoting things that are outside of God's kingdom. Right? We, we get to, to where we're... Uh, I, I've seen more pastors from the pulpit decide that it's time for them to share their, their views about social justice. It's not my place. I'll share what God's Word says. Because God's Word deals with all that. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, there, there's really nothing more that we're supposed to do beyond that. And that's a sacrificial love, but that's, that's, you know, if we go to God's Word and we start promoting the things from God's Word and not our, our views. Right? We have His Word. That's what we should be guiding our life with. We, we probably have some Nehushtans in our life that need to be destroyed as well. We serve the Messiah. We serve the Lion and the Lamb, the Son of God, the Conquering King. See, it, it, when, I, when I know that God is sovereign and, and I believe that and I'm trusting His will, I can follow Him because there's freedom in that. And, and, and we, we need to ask those questions. When, when you don't understand something that, that's happening in your life, do you? I asked this question to somebody this week. Did you go to God and pray on it? No. Why? Why not? You're asking for something, and you're not understanding why all this stuff is happening, and you haven't even gone to the Lord about it. And he said they did not understand, saying they were afraid to ask Him. Now, in Luke chapter 9 in the Synoptic Gospel, it gives us a little bit more in verse 45. It says, But they did not understand this, saying, It was concealed from them, so that they may not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him after, about the same. They couldn't comprehend it. Their, their spiritual inability they were struggling with because they were still focused on Jesus being this, this political king and, and this ruler of uh, taking over Rome and... Um, 
And they, they were struggling with that, so it was concealed to them. The disciples weren't, weren't ready. They weren't ready to hear that God had sent His Son, that He was predestined for humiliation. Right? He, he humbled Himself to the point of the cross. We talked about humility this week for us. Walking in humility. Or you're, if you don't want to do that, God will take care of that. Because you'll be crawling in humiliation. In verse 33, uh, the disciples argue with one another following Christ. It, it, it requires us serving others. In verse 33, it says, And they came to Capernaum, and when, they, when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? And, uh, and so they, they're, at this point, there's crickets. And you would imagine that Peter would have been ready to say something. But they knew... Think about this. They just got done arguing with the scribes. And what are they doing now? Arguing amongst each other. They're arguing amongst each other. And for us, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that we need to remember. Is, is I love what Luke chapter 9, verse 47 says, But Jesus, knowing the reason of their hearts, God already knew what they, were, what they were talking about. They went from arguing with the scribes to arguing with each other about who's, who's the greatest. And they kept silent. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at, on his appearance or on his height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. And that's why it says in Luke chapter 9 verse 47. Jesus knowing the reason of their heart. Their hearts. See Christ came to serve and surrender to the Father's will. And the disciples are over there. Instead of, our, instead of asking questions about why, why are you going to rise? What does that mean? What do you mean three days you'll rise? Instead of asking questions, they're arguing about position and title. And, and I, you know, I would, I would tell you that it's anyone that's been in church at some point has had this thought come across their mind at one time. When you're thinking about, well, maybe if I was that, or I, I took over and became the leader of that, or I could do it better than that person. I'll be honest with you, I had that thought before. Prideful, self-centered, and narcissistic. And God had to deal with it. And so we need to remember that God has put in place those people that are, are there for a reason. And, and you know what it showed me? I wasn't ready. It showed me I wasn't ready to be that leader. Because you can't lead that way. And so we need to be very careful. We see simple things that, that create division in the church. And, and all we're supposed to be doing is preaching the gospel. And yet we're missing it. In Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31, it says, Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other great commandment than these. See, we live out an unconditional, sacrificial love for others. And that's what they were missing. Because they're arguing about who's the greatest. They didn't make the gospel the, the central part of their lives. They didn't ask Jesus the questions that they should have been asking. In verse 35 it says, And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So Jesus sits, which means he's in a position of teaching now. And thank God they didn't keep arguing. Because that happens when the pastor has to say, Enough! We might have to separate you two for a little bit. And then we'll come together and talk. It does happen. You know, unfortunately, it's, it's, it, you know why it happens? Our flesh. It's, it's, we're imperfect. I, I, I've talked to people before where they've, man, I, the church hurt me. I was like, they hurt me too. Welcome to the club. It's, it's part, you know, it's unfortunate. It's because our, we're fleshly at times. And I love this because Jesus is going to gently share with them about the kingdom of God and, and what the importance is. And it's an importance for us to learn from this too as well. Is that it, it, It's important for us to remember that we are a servant. And we're last. And the word that's, that's used there uh, for servant is actually the word for deacon. So you need to stop looking to be great in the man in the eyes of man, but you need to be you need to be worried about your 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 calling that God has put on your life, and you need to be worried about what God thinks of you and your relationship. Jesus shares with them, you know, and, and tells them, "Hey, this is the example of you being a a follower of mine, of you being a servant of mine." In John thirteen verses twelve through sixteen. It says, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you, uh, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, I, a, a servant is uh, not greater than, the, than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. And I, I've seen those. It always trips me out when you see those ceremonies where they're washing the feet because I'm like, we don't do that. So it's like it, to try to translate that in your head, what that is. But when you walked in someone's house and, and those times, you, were, you had muddy feet. So they, they washed your feet before you would go in the house. We just take off our boots now and leave them in the, in the thing, right? But I would tell you, instead of looking to wash somebody's feet, how about just serving one another? Right? How about actually just, just serving your brother or sister and checking on them, seeing what their needs are? And how they're holding up. Where, you know, do you need prayer for anything? Is, uh, what's going on? So I think as a church, we always go, well, let's have a washing feet ceremony. How about we have a serving? Let's just, just, let's just serve each other. 
sacrificially with, with expecting nothing in return. Right? You know, at, at the end of the day, it's like we, we need to, we have a calling on our life and, and Jesus is trying to get us to focus on that. In Mark chapter 10, verse 43, it says, But if it shall not be uh, so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is where we forget is we've been called to serve all the way to the cross. And that's what God has prepared for you. God has prepared good works for you and, and, and God has is, is, is called you to follow him to the cross. You're to be last. In James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of, of you says to, uh, to them, Go in peace and be warm and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, I always tell people at the end of the day, you're not called, everybody thinks when they give their life to Christ, I'm supposed to serve the church. Am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be children's ministry leader? Am I supposed to do worship? You, you realize that you can serve the community as well? People forget that. You can be a Christian that's in the community serving. I mean, we love to have you serve in the church because you learn as you serve in the church the correct way and then go out and you do it. But at the end of the day, if you're called to be a, uh, I'm going to coach Little League, then be a Christian coach that coaches Little League that affects those kids' lives. Live your faith out among them. Now, that's not a popular thing for churches to say, but what happens is, is churches have become so insulated that they require so many people to serve each other. Because they want to have this ministry and that ministry and do this thing and that thing. And it's like what happens is you just get busy serving each other. And you're never involved in your community. So you can be involved in your community. Matter of fact, next week, Miss Elva's going to come up and talk about the Divine Food Pantry and what's happening there. Because she's serving there. And, and people are coming to no faith there. They had some, uh, about two weeks ago, they had a young lady that came to know Christ at the, the food pantry. Because they can actually share the gospel there. It's not the food bank. See, that's, there's places outside the church that you can serve, right? At the end of the hallway is Third Street Closet. For abuse, uh, women of abuse. They need help. You know, it's, like the church is always going to need help. But why not be a Christian outside the church and serve your community? You can do that. That's why for us to do this event, it's awesome. What I'm hoping we do is we shake the church up and wake them up. And they come out of their slumber. Because we're in our last days here and, and, and we want to try to see as many people come to know faith. And so... You know, for us, what is our essential need is we're to serve each other. We're to be last, but we're also to, to keep the, the essential, the gospel, the essential. That's the reason why we do what we do.
is so we can share faith and share the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, through 4, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was, that he was raised on the third day accordance, to, accordance with the Scriptures. We keep the gospel the essential. That's what it's saying there in Corinthians. It's like, the, you know, I, I've been delivered. We're being saved. We need to share the gospel. We need to preach it to others. And the last point here, we see the disciples learn to care for the helpless. In verse 36, it says, And he took a child and put him, uh, put him in the, the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And so what we see also in the, uh, in, the, in the other gospel in Matthew chapter 18, as we look at the same story, there's something that he said that I really liked in, in, in Matthew 18, verses 2 and 3. He says, And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I love that. It's like, unless you turn. Unless you turn. And become like a child. A childlike faith. That's why when we see the little ones, they just pick it up. It comes natural to them. But don't they need their father and mother when that child is three or two and they're, they're learning to walk and you got to pick them up and you get them up and you pick them up and, and they got to be fed. And, you know, he's saying, look, as, as we look at this, he's talking about spiritual children that are helpless. That's what he's talking about. Uh, you know, we're praying that people will come to know faith that night. They need discipleship. You know what discipleship is? You live in life among them. It's family. It's what this is. It's, it's, it's actually spending time outside of church. It's actually doing ministry outside the church. It's actually being a family outside the church and in the church. And we have spiritual children. When somebody comes to know faith, we need to, we need to be there to help them grow, to get them on the, the path of, of to see them to, to do well spiritually. And guess what? When you disciple somebody, they're going to fall. They're going to do something where you go, man, what were you thinking? And they pick you up, and they pray with you, and they tell you, hey, you need to repent. You need, to, you need to get with God and repent of that. How is your time in your word? How is your time in prayer? How is you, your walk going? It's, it's living life together. And, and it's so important for us. But I love that he says, unless you turn. Unless you turn. It's like you, you have to understand that, that you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. You have to turn from those things. So that's it's like unless you turn, you walk away 
from that lifestyle and you turn to Christ. You turn to Christ. We all came from that other side. You know, that side that he talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, it, it says in, uh, in verse 1, it says, And when you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we by nature are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then he says, in, in, a, uh, in my favorite verse in, in chapter 4, and verse 4, he says, but God. But God. That's who you were. You turned from that. And you turn to God, but God being rich in his mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you were saved, have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And that's why he says in verse 37, Whoever receives one such child, that is the whosoever's. That's the person that you think can't be saved. Because you know what you're doing? You're looking at the outward appearance, and you're thinking, I know that person, but God looks at what? The heart. God is looking at the heart. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll go, man, this is too hard. There's no way. And you walk away or you stop praying for that person. Because you go, man, you don't see any movement. And you're like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else. Like I've been praying for years. My sister-in-law prayed for her husband for 15 years. 15 years before he came to no faith. 15 years. Think about that. That's a long time. <laughs> That's being faithful. And do you not think in those 15 years she probably wanted to just hit him with something, man? Wake up. Right? Let's be real. That's how we get sometimes. But it's like, remember, God sees the heart, and, and we, we need to be steady and, and not stop praying for them. And not give up on them. You know, I, I love this because Jesus, and through this scripture, he's teaching them that you've got to be willing to submit and, and, and be willing to serve and receive and showing hospitality to a child, to a new believer, someone who's just turned. Because it's so important that they get connected with somebody. Because if not, they just get plucked away and they go right back to their life again. <clears throat> You're helping them because they're, at that point, they're unable to help themselves. You're showing hospitality to them because, you know, that's what the Lord Jesus would do. And he's saying that you're not only serving them... But you're, you're, you're showing that same service to the Father as well. Because that's why he says uh, the name... Uh, 
such child in my name receives me, whoever receives me receives not me, but in him who sent me. You're receiving them also for God the Father. And they were so busy arguing. They were missing it. Can I tell you one of the things that I hope we do? Let's stop arguing. I mean, let's be real about that. I don't, I don't care what side of the platform you fall on. Let's just stop arguing. Because that's not sharing the gospel. Those, I know those things are important to you. But if it's hindering you from doing what you were called to do, which is to share the gospel, and it's taken that part over like it's become that thing. I heard a pastor say this week, he said, he goes, I, I went to go speak at a church, and all that church was doing was turning out Republicans. And that's not what God called us to do. He's called us to, to, to and there, there's nothing wrong with being that. But he's not, he's not called you to, to just be that. He's called you to, 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 to be a follower that's willing to die to self and crucify yourself daily. Daily. And I know that's hard for some people to hear. And, and because guess what? There are churches that are turning out Democrats too. <laughs> We've gotten focused on the wrong things. And you know what the devil loves? Division. And do you not think the devil's done flip the church and everything's, everybody has to choose a side? Why not we look to be peacemakers and, and unity and say, you know what, that stuff's important. I know it's important to you. But the thing that's most important is Jesus. I know it's important to you. I'm not discounting it. But if it's going to hinder you from talking, because look, some people will automatically not talk to you the moment you bring something up and you've missed the opportunity to share Christ with them. So we need to be, the other thing we need to do is, is we cannot be distracted by arguing. I, I mean, it, we see this continue, the arguing with the, the scribes and now the arguing amongst each other about who's the greatest. Me as the pastor, I got to be least. You as a husband, you're least. You don't want to hear that, do you? You're the leader of the house, but you're least. That means you're serving everyone else. That's that's leadership. That's leadership. I heard this last night and it, it stood out to me and it says when we stop identifying uh, and, and this is one of the things that we need to start doing um, and I'll stop here and we'll, we'll pray so often when we look at scripture we'll identify with the sinner and not the Savior do you get that we'll identify with I can never get past that we don't never go to the place of Calvary where he's risen. Because God didn't call you to identify with Peter. He called you to be the identity of who? Christ. And that's what he's trying to get through to these guys. He's like, it's not about who's the greatest. It's about you identifying and being like 
me, Jesus. Okay? And so for, for some people, what that is, is they'll stay in their past, they'll stay in their failures, and, and they think they can never get past the side of that sin or that life. And, and God's already forgiven you of that. You're supposed to be on the side of grace, of the side of Calvary. That's why Jesus died for those sins. And you need to start identifying with Christ. It's important to have the stories of the Bible. But they should teach you to go, you know what? I'm not living right. I need to get right with Christ and I need to, my identity needs to be with Christ. The Savior. Not the sinner. I need, I need, to, I need to, God has called me to, to live a life where I must crucify myself daily and deny myself and identify with Him. That's what you're doing. But so many times what we see is we'll see people that, that identify with Peter. Look, I, I get it, man. We've all fallen. We've all messed up. We've all done that. But who saved Peter? Jesus. Who picked Peter up? Jesus did. Who do we identify with? Jesus. Because it's His grace. It's His mercy. It's His love. That's who saves us. And when you show that same mercy, love, and grace to people, and you're a light for Christ, and God is glorified, man, God can do amazing things. God can do amazing things. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray uh, just for, for this message, Lord. I do pray that we would remember that we are called to be servants. Um, and, and we're called to love the least. Uh, we're not to look on the appearance or, or think that we understand or know the person because you know the heart, Lord. I pray if there's any of us that have struggled with pride or humility or uh, where we're, 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 uh, you know, we're, we're struggling within position or title, you know, that's the fun thing about a small church is there's none of that. Um, we all just serve. But I, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to remind us of that, that we're a family, a family in Christ, that our identity is in Christ. And uh, I thank you so much for, for all that you're doing in, in this church. And I do pray for the Kavachinkos, Lord. I, I, I just ask that you uh, not only bless them, but bless the Gallegos as well and the missionary uh, work that they're doing, uh, the work that's being done within the churches. I pray that, that that group of young, uh, young teenagers that uh, are, are young men right now, that they would be a, a, a beacon in Abkhazia, and they would change the stereotype that, that, um, that they would just create more and more men uh, that would be Christians in that area, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you're doing, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Teresa will be back next week. Thank God, because I'm not used to that one. Um, it's hard being away. When you've been married to somebody for 30-something years, man, it's 36 years. It's hard to, uh, to be away from them for that little bit of time. There's some tacos and coffee in the back. Uh, the cards are in the back from Miss uh, Wendy. 
and it, it, take some time to talk to Miss Wendy for uh, you know as before you leave for sure. Uh, God bless you. Remember, if you need to get a hold of me, calvarydivine.org. God bless. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.